Welcome everyone to the USL show. Uh, this is Phil here. We are brought to you by uh, the Beautiful Game Network. We are sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Golden Goal Press. Welcome everyone to the show. We got a fun one tonight. We're halfway through the season and so we're going to talk about things that are going on right now and we're going to do some power rankings. Just a little bit of power rankings to kind of lead you into something else coming up over the weekend that we'll talk about in just a bit. Uh, but first, we will start with introductions. We have two special guests today. Let's start with them, actually. Ben Wright. Ben, you're finally on the show. This hasn't happened yet, has it? No, I guess I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. Oh, that feels <laughs> special. I think that's the first time anyone said that to me before, and I like it. Um, Speedway Soccer follows all things Nashville SC. Um Ben, you guys have been uh, pretty good so far. What's going on in your life? I actually I know what's going on in your life. I hijacked your vacation. Are you there, Ben? Did I lose you? I'm here. I'm so sorry. I hijacked your vacation. And uh, where are you guys at? And what are you guys up to? Kind of want to hear it. We are in Holden Beach, North Carolina, um, and I'm sitting in the basement of our vacation house, which is mm -hmm. incredibly humid. So. My microphone is there's condensation all over my microphone, but uh, <laughs> so if I get electrocuted, and that's probably why you aren't hearing from me anymore. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's been a, it's been a fun week. Yeah. What do you do in that in that little vacation spot? What kind of things are you guys up to? Just hang out at the beach. Uh, play beach soccer, swimming, drink out in the pool, that kind of stuff. Yeah, everything. Perfect. Perfect. Our other guest for the night is from uh, Foxtrot Podcast. It is Lefty Brown. We're going to call him Lefty Brown. Sometimes you can call him Chris. Lefty, what's going on, man? Uh, but don't call me the Space Cowboy. Um, I am doing good. Uh, we have had a, a good weekend in terms of soccer. All my favorite teams won. So uh, I'm, in, I'm in a good place. All your favorite teams. Expand on that. U.S. women's, U.S. men's barely pulled one out. And uh, Fox, the Foxes beat uh, El Paso this past weekend, uh, which uh, was a big surprise to uh, most of the people on, on Fox Start Pod. But, uh, yeah, so feeling pretty good. And Yeah, I was uh, listening to your show. That's not the only, you know, weird result in, in the recent past and distance past e even. But uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, first, let's introduce Pony is here. He's uh, he's the one wanting to talk about power rankings a lot right now. Uh, Pony, how's it going? Uh, pretty good. I figure I spend all this time making spreadsheets about USL, so why not show them off at time for time to time? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I expect no less from you, so um, this is perfect. It's why we have you here. I love it. Um, speaking of that kind of thing, Ryan, I think he's typing right now, actually, <laughs> while we talk. Ryan, how's it going, man? Yeah, it's going all right. Just going through all the summer stuff. Saw uh, Spider-Man Far From Home earlier today, which I enjoyed, but no spoilers, of course. Mm, I've been trying to catch up on, on Spider-Man. I finally watched Homecoming the other day, and it was really good. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm one of those hacks when it comes to the Avengers and all the comic book movies, so I'm just kind of catching up. But uh, you guys, Ryan, you're pretty in-depth on that kind of thing, right? Yeah, I try to be of the past nine mcu movies i've seen have been on opening day or opening night and that included two i've seen outside this country so <laughs> in scotland you saw some i saw black panther and infinity war there dude very cool i literally just finished infinity war like right before this podcast <laughs> oh, i still no, haven't seen endgame <laughs> Yeah, I haven't either, obviously. But um, anyway, we could go off on that. But instead, let's let's talk about uh, soccer. Um, I didn't pop this up. You know, let's come back to that. Ryan, do you mind getting that letter up so you can kind of read it when we get to that? Yeah, we've got something big coming today, and so I don't want to I don't want to mess that up. We'll be prepared. But first, let's start with a little bit of news. Loudoun United Stadium to be called Segra Field. Is it Segra or Segra? Segra, I believe. Okay, I thought uh, you might answer me because you're the probably the closest person in proximity to there, other than Brent, Ben, maybe at, right at this moment. But um, I heard some people going, uh, getting upset about them using turf, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but I don't mind that. Ryan, you want to fill us in on some of the other details here? Yeah, I mean, the, so the Segra Field deal will be a 10-year deal for 5,000-seat stadium. It didn't say how much it was, but if it's for 10 years, I'd imagine it's a huge investment for a two-team. The field will officially open on August 9th against 
uh, the independence, which Loudon will host. And the complex will also house DC United's training facilities, which are opening in 2020. So this is like a massive investment for a DC team who's just now getting their two team off the ground who had previously had partnered with the kickers in, in the past. So oh, this is big to see coming out of the East and a team that seems like they would want to stay at a USL championship level, maybe one that would try and emulate the New York Red Bulls system. Yeah, this is an interesting move because in the beginning of the season, we were like, well, Loudon is very obviously not taking anything seriously. They barely had a, a roster at the beginning of the season. Um, I guess they knew where they were going to play, but the, you know, the, the logo was a little underwhelming. Um, ben, you're in the East. Is this something you followed? Are you a little surprised by this? Um, no, I'm not super surprised, and I actually think Loudon are probably a bit better and people give them credit for. I wouldn't be surprised to see them sneaking into the playoffs. Um, so yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I completely agree with the, the assessment that they're not really taking things seriously. Yeah, I, I, that that's kind of me like backtracking because I was definitely in with the crowd saying that they're not taking this seriously. Why are they even going for championship if this is the way they're going to op- operate? But these are very, very championship style moves. They're not League One type moves. So um, yeah, I just wanted to kind of clear that up at least talking about maybe what what narratives were there at the beginning of the season compared to now. Um, But speaking of people that have been underwhelming and have maybe made a bit of a a scramble, we're going to talk a little bit about Hartford Hartford Athletic um, scrambling to open Dillon Stadium by the July 13th deadline. Um, I guess construction crews are working till 1 a.m. Ryan, we've got a little more to talk about here. Yeah, so they've... Uh, per this article, they've been working until 1 a.m. to finish the uh, stadium. Currently, Athletic have been playing at UConn's football stadium and being more successful in the stadium than UConn football itself. Hmm. The project has been funded both privately and publicly. He, the article linked in our show notes goes into a bit more detail on how that's broken up. But a big thing about this delay is that there have been budget cuts to the project, which has dropped the capacity originally from 6,000 down to 5,500. And in turn, also reduced the number of concessions, bathrooms, and parking spots, which has really just caused a massive amount of delay on the project. Hmm. Interesting. And a lot of that, it, it, you know, I'm on, I've been in the construction world before. I imagine some of that is either budget cuts. It could also be something as simple as, commercial laws and rules and what you have to do or if something went wrong sometimes it's easier to cut it down than to redo it from scratch so uh, you never know what's going on there i will defend them just a little bit on that um but um getting it done i guess do you think they'll they'll make the deadline ryan anyone (laughs) it sounds like it's gonna be tough uh but yeah we'll move on from there it's jameson olav was named the interim coach of the Real Monarchs. Um, Martin Vasquez, he had to leave early on Monday as, um, actually, what happened? Do we know? The uh, press relief didn't say, it just said that he left the job on Monday and Olaf, an assistant coach, had stepped into the helm and the rest of the technical staff would remain. That's really disappointing to me. Um, does anyone else want to talk about this? I guess basically I wanted to say that I loved that he was up there because he was an academy coach and they moved him up and a lot of kids were getting chances and he knew them really well. Um, I imagine a lot of people who listen to this show probably have also heard of Richie Ledesma, um, who is no slouch. And and um, Martin was one of the ones that kind of identified him early. I think he did an interview on the Scuffed podcast. If you want to hear him talk and hear about his quality, I think – um, he at least is a good identifier of talent, um, not to mention, you know, the other guys on that team. So it may not just be him, but, um, I enjoyed his thoughts on that show. Uh, Mark's currently ranked 12th in the West, six wins, six losses, three draws. Uh, do we think it's because of the record? Do you think it's that easy? I think it might play a part because for the last few years, the Monarchs have started out really hot every year and kind of faded late mm-hmm. this year. They're not starting hot and i think that's been a concern because that's the way they make the big playoff not the playoff run but the playoff seed run is their first half first two thirds of the season and it just hasn't happened this year mm. i don't think it's the only reason but i could see if there's a if the idea is a part with the coach eventually and the season's starting poorly or at least not up to snuff i could see it being a reason just to say we're going to call it as it is 
Now, refresh my memory. This is not the same coach that last year had a domestic uh, abuse problem. Is that no, right? That was uh, Mark Briggs, who is uh, currently out. Although I did see that the Real Monarchs uh, specific supporters group did publish a statement saying that they would have liked to have seen Briggs given the job back. Interesting. And I don't know if that was ever finalized in saying that it was him. I just know he kind of, the way it was phrased last year, if I'm not mistaken, was he's leaving basically for this to be figured out. It wasn't admitting guilt or anything like that. So if they want Briggs back and he was exonerated of, of some sort, um, in some sort of way, that's not necessarily bad. He was, he was good to that team. Tony, you would know better than everyone else, I think. Um, I haven't heard how it got resolved either way, but if it has been resolved and he's been cleared, I think it could be a good move to bring him back because he ran the team very well. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I meant. I, you would know better than anyone else because you kind of follow him. You're a big fan that he was he was a good coach of that team. And I'll be honest, you know, as a podcast that sort of like concentrates on the West, you know, um, I had forgotten about the Monarchs. You know, it was I was just telling my uh, my. Uh, uh, podcast my fellow podcasters on the, on the show this week was like it's weird you know I looked on their schedule and I was like oh yeah that's right the Monarchs they used to give us a hard time last season um, and uh, for some reason you know their their latest woes I can I can understand parting ways with their coach because with the West so compacted in points you know if they can turn things around now. They could uh, they can make those those playoff spots if they work very hard and the rest of us uh, help help them out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, that's well said uh, because we feel like that at times. Six wins, six losses again, three draws. That's not that's not something you can't recover from. I think you're you're very right. make good point. And I do believe um, I think we talked about this last week. Isn't the West much closer in, in oh. points than the East? Very much. I mean, right now, as a comparison, like uh, Sack uh, had six lo- have has six losses. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, so it, the the distance can be can be met pretty easy, especially you know if teams are well known for their draws. Uh, you know, maybe uh, Fresno can uh, return to their drawing ways. Uh, that benefits a, a team like the Monarchs if they can pull out some Ws. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've got potential, and they've always been well-coached, and they're good at spotting talent, like I said. So, yeah, definitely within within grasp of the playoffs if they get it going here. Um, the next one, it hurts a little bit. Um, we didn't mean for this to happen. Uh, Harry pointed this out. Um, recently, we had Ben Goshorn on, Soccer Goose on, to talk about Charlotte's woes. This was before the firing of McGinnis. And, um, you know, we also had... Oh, gosh, I can't. Mark, oh, my goodness. Mark in, from uh, representing Colorado Switch, Colorado Springs Switchbacks. He would want me to say it that way. Um, he comes from Last Word on Sports in Colorado Springs. We had both of those guys on to talk about their coaches. The teams were failing a little bit, having trouble, struggling is what I should say. And both of those coaches got fired uh, in the last couple of weeks. And so um, I hope for sure that we played no part in that. But I think the reason we had him on was because bad things were happening. Right. Right. Ryan, you want to go, go on about that a little more? Yeah. I mean, the switchbacks are currently 17th in the Western conference at that moment, four wins, 11 losses, two draws, a 15 and 31 in goal ratio, 14 points. They're currently eight points out of a playoff spot and four points off the bottom. They've also lost their last three matches by a combined score of 10 to one. Mm-hmm. And Trish has been with the club since its inception, 2015 he had guided the Switchbacks to two consecutive uh, third-place finishes in 2015 and 16, but it just it seems that the rest of the conference is caught up and that uh, they can just outspin and outmuscle. I made the analogy that they're the more modern-day Wilmington Hammerheads, just a small market team, makes you with what they can on a tight budget, but struggles to compete in most games except for the odd result well, yeah. somewhere in the season. Yeah, yeah. And to give you some highlights of that episode, some things that Mark said is one of the biggest ones. You mentioned a tight budget there, Ryan. Um, one of the biggest ways they wanted to solve that was we all hailed them for finally teaming up with uh, the Colorado Rapids since they're right down the road. And um, instead of teaming up with Charlotte, as the Rapids have been doing in the past, which we all know is, is ridiculous. And uh, we've all made fun of that in the past. Well, they finally did that. But 
Um, Colorado Springs has not been happy with the players they've been getting. Uh, we all know the, the Rapids have been struggling most of the season so far. And so that has been trickling down to Colorado Springs. That, that plan did not work. And uh, Mark was talking to us about how terrible that's been. And a lot of it has been because they haven't been happy with the players they've been getting, maybe not living up to the, the agreement that was made before. Um, and we talked about whether Trichu should be fired. Mark thought mostly no. Um, that this isn't necessarily the struggles aren't necessarily a reflection of the coach himself. Any other thoughts from anyone else, Lefty? I know your team has seen them this year. I think. Uh, yeah, uh, it's not something I like to remember, but <laughs> <laughs> um, it was one of those uh, uh, one of our two losses so far this season. And uh, uh, you know, again, I chalk this up to like. You got to. This is where we are in the in the season where the rubber hits the road, and uh, you got to make those changes to try to stay competitive. I, I think uh, I think the switchbacks are a little bit too much out of it at the moment. Uh, but uh, man, you know, if they can turn things around, they could definitely be a spoiler for for people trying to stay in the hunt. Yeah, they're the kind of team that I could definitely see them focusing on defending. And just make, just becoming a team that's hard to beat, which has kind of been their MO over the years. But that's something you can do on, on almost any budget. Not to say you're going to get a million wins out of it, but you can make a make a stand midway through the season for sure. Um, they can be a tough team to play. And, you know, uh, Three Honest Lads made you know a lot of conversation about playing at altitude. And so there's, there's something to it for sure on the pro level, especially. Um, there's... Speaking of you, Lefty, let's stick with you. Let's yeah. talk a little bit about Fresno. That we're gonna, that's it for the news today for the most part. But um, since you're on the show tonight, we're going to start bringing guys on that can kind of talk about their clubs and just kind of feature a, a club or two every single week and, and help us out with the rest of the show, obviously. So, again, thank you, Lefty. Thank you, Ben, for coming on the show. But, Lefty, tell us a little bit about Fresno this year, what it's looked like. Just kind of get us up to date uh, somewhat somewhat quickly. <laughs> Okay, I'll do what I can. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this is our, as you know, second year in operations. Uh, but uh, Fresno this year, I, I keep telling them, like, we are the best kept secret in the West. And, you know, the secret got a little bit out there when we went. We were one of two teams in the USL that were as undefeated uh, until, uh, uh, I believe it was Sacramento came to town. And... Uh, this year, it just it feels like there's something special. We we have our woes, you know. Our attendance seems to be a little bit down. We still don't know where we'll be playing when we go to a soccer specific stadium. Oh, uh, there's a whole bunch of like front office stuff going on. But as far as what happens on the pitch, as far as the coaching staff goes, uh, as far as the uh, the players playing. Uh, th- there's something really special, and I've I've said it before, and without any hyperbole, I, I I believe that this is a team that could uh, will definitely make the playoffs. But I believe this is a team that could win the West, even when you know you have such a powerhouse of like say Phoenix just putting on clinics week to week sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something there about Fresno, like our back line is doing an amazing job this year. Our midfielders are really coming around and uh, doing some good stuff. We have uh, a lot lot of players that um, right now are starting to come into their own and players that will be rejoining us. We actually have a problem right now where we're all wondering, like, what will happen when, you know, a player like uh, Jim's Jaffard, um, who you know who's playing on the Haiti national team uh, when when he returns to Fresno? What will happen when uh, another defensive player, Alex Cooper, uh, is healthy enough to start uh, playing for the team? You know how many players? You know where do we move players that are having a very very good season, and then players who are who are new to us this season, like Acutis, that all of a sudden is having a very explosive. Uh, year it seems like uh, he's this is the year he's finally coming to his own and uh, we, so now we have this weird dichotomy where we have a homegrown player that is really much loved by by the city uh, in uh, Christian Cheney 
who it feels like he has to play to be on the roster. You know, like he has to fight his way back onto the roster because uh, Cutis Lawal and uh, uh, Chavez um, are starting to really be a, a power uh, couple of strikers up there. So it, it's a, in terms of performance on the field and getting results, it feels like um, we're starting to figure those things out. So it, it's, a, yeah. it's, it's very exciting. Yeah, a couple things there. Um, you know, I was listening to your show, and, and you're kind of alluding to somewhat of an embarrassment of riches, uh, just because things are clicking right now. You know, that's not necessarily going to last all year, but you know, you know, things are clicking when Juan Pablo Cafa is coming on at the half instead I know. of starting. <laughs> that was my favorite part of your show today. So yeah, yeah tell I, us about that. And I can't, I can't remember if uh, we asked. We had uh, C.J. Cochran, our, our keeper, on the show, and I can't remember if I asked him during the show or prior to when we started recording, but, uh, like, I don't know if, um, if Kafa is just at that point in his career where, you know, he may be retiring or, uh, you know, or if there's some sort of injury that they're trying to be careful of, um, or if there's just other players on the, on that pitch in midfielder that, uh, that coach Smith really wants to see more of. And, uh, you know, so this past weekend when we played El Paso, uh, Kafa came out in the second half and he, he played very well, uh, with the exception of that one really bad uh, PK. Um, but uh, ordinarily, you know, the guy the guy is a gift to Fresno. Like, I'm surprised he's stuck around for another season uh, after experiencing our heat and, and whatnot. You know, the guy can play in any team in the USL easily but oh, yeah. uh he wants to be here in fresno there he feels like there's something special here and uh so yeah i'm not quite sure like why not play kafa is it is it uh looking you know is is i hate to be like coaching I, I hate to try to be coaching from the stands but i just haven't figured out why you know be, you know to use a biblical analogy bear why are you burying your talent in the in the ground you know mm -hmm. Uh, get them out on the field, and I, you know, so when they went up Portland, I can understand that's turf, and you know, who who really wants to play on turf? But uh, the get the dudes having a good season, and well, yeah, go ahead. I think you guys made this point, and, I, and this is where I was leaning that if guys are clicking and things are going well in the attack, mm -hmm. and you can get by without playing him a full ninety, you know, at his age, maybe and maybe he's not aging that well, but I don't know how his body's feeling. But at that age, why not take the precaution and have him as fresh as possible for the playoffs where it really matters, where a lot of good teams have fallen out. You know, I don't, I don't know if that's something you, you guys talked about in depth, but yeah. One thing we did discuss is, you know, since we have uh, a pretty good healthy roster right now with, with some exce exceptions like Moses is, is out with injury. Uh, Cooper is still recuperating. <laughs> Dad jokes. Um, but uh you know, so we have a lot of good, good players that can that we can swap in and out, depending like maybe the players just not having a good night, or maybe the yellow yellow card accumulation is you know something to be be aware of. You know, who who knows? But to be able to have that talent, you know, seeing seeing uh, Christian Cheney, you know, uh, a couple of matches ago, waiting to come on the field, he didn't ultimately get a chance to come back in the field. But uh, waiting in the wings to come in, you yeah. know, to see, you know, uh, I think it was described as like, wouldn't you be a little scared seeing Kafa come in in the second half and then all of a sudden, you know, you you have a, a free kick that he's going to take? <laughs> exactly. And as guys get tired, they they uh, foul a little more. It's I think it's mm -hmm. good. I think good for them. And if it if it works out, why not roll with it? Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up uh, today, because the Gold Cup is is happening right now, or uh, if we get done soon enough, we can catch the game in about 30 minutes. Um, what, Haiti versus Mexico. And uh, that's a pretty cool game. And in that game, you mentioned uh, Jafar. Is it Jafar coming back from the Gold Cup? Because he's playing with Haiti right now. Yeah, he's he's uh, there in the uh, – he's um, a middle defensive player, middle back, I guess. And uh, is doing a good job. In fact, uh, you know, originally he was a um, 
a sub in the in the first match, but now he's in that starting eleven. So he's doing something. He's impressing people, and uh, you know we were we're excited to uh, see an upset. As much as locally Fresno, we you know uh, a lot of people pull for Mex- Mexico, obviously, but uh, there's a there's a part of me that really wants to see Haiti come through with an upset because you know while. Gems is a you know Haiti is his nation. He's he's to us is a hometown person. He you know he's our one of our players. So of course you want uh, those those teams and and a lot of us USL fanatics can say this because there's a lot of USL players from many countries that have been have played in the Gold Cup this 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 uh, season this year. Mm-hmm. Exactly, uh, and it's cool that you know Nations League. I think we mentioned this last week is bringing up teams like Haiti. And um, what? Who do we just play? Curacao. Uh, uh, don't remind me. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, hey, we haven't been kicked out, so that's True. Good. that's a good start. Not yet, at least. So, but doesn't it just fire you up for to see us take on Jamaica next? <laughs> well, hey, we just lost to them in a friendly, so maybe yeah. harder than we think. But um, oh, it's you know, going to be. USL fans should be really proud of a team like Jamaica that is full of USL players doing well mm-hmm. against national team players from multiple well, countries. And it also speaks to the quality of play in the USL. You know, so I, I, I do, I, I still believe that uh, not soon, but in the next 10 years, USL championship might have something that rivals MLS in terms of quality on the pitch. Mm. And, uh, you know, we still, we keep, bringing players from from the uh you know from cuba from haiti from you know jamaica uh into the uso um it's just it's going to lift the quality of play uh throughout the league completely agree any other thoughts on the gold cup before we go on um i'm going to take that as a no and move on straight to ben wright uh, we've kept you a little quiet today. I apologize for that, but I want to hear all about Nashville. Uh, this team has been doing really well, um, except for a, a, a recent game. You guys have been on a pretty good roll lately. Yeah, so they were, I guess, uh, seven matches unbeaten before they lost to North Carolina one nothing. Um, which, I mean, I think we've seen over the course of the season, North Carolina is a pretty tough team yeah. to play against, especially at home. But yeah, I think the narrative with Nashville's kind of flipped this season. Last season, it was all about being really good at home and really good defensively. Um, whereas this season, they've been really good on the road, and they've they're the second highest scoring team in the East. Um, but they've they've had troubles defensively. They've conceded some pretty sloppy goals, and then it's, it's it feels weird to say that it's a second highest scoring team in the East has had problems finishing, but they have had. Hmm. especially at home, they've had plenty of chances where they've been just on top, dominating the game for 10, 15 minute stretches, creating chances and just haven't finished. And so uh, Gary Smith, their, their head coach has talked a lot um, about just taking advantage of those moments. And Didn't, it feels like every, every time I ask him that he says that he says they have to take advantage of the moments and it comes back to haunt them um, yeah. later. So, yeah. Didn't they have the most, uh, what the worst conversion rate or the most chances not finished last year, something like that. Um, I don't. I don't know if it was the worst, but it was definitely towards the bottom. I think. Oh it was yeah. Like twelve percent. I think maybe one or two teams had worse. Um, I've been, I've been yeah. wanting to talk to you about exactly those woes, though, Ben, because um, it's interesting to see hear you say those sort of things because that's where my mind has been with St. Louis FC, where um, if people, a lot of teams deal with this, and we talked about Pittsburgh doing this, but. If they're the team that can't sit back and counter, then it's a lot harder to win a game. And and they've also had the same problem where they're still creating chances, which you feel like is harder than finishing. I guess it's not necessarily, but um, you know, are you happy that the the chances are there? Do you feel better about that, or would you like it the other way around? I don't know. I don't really know how to feel on that. No, I think I'd I definitely take this season over last season. I mean, last season they were they created a decent amount of chances. I think they were right around middle of the pack um, in terms of chance creation. And then their their finishing was just abysmal. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. And that's even after going and spending on a guy like Brandon Allen, who just didn't pan out like they hoped he would. Oh, man. Um, yeah, that's – hey, <laughs> by the way, I tweeted this out. That's two midseason changes for that for that fella in a row, two years in a row, right? Yeah, and he was making a 
decent amount of money at Tampa Bay. Um, so man, yeah, a lot, hey. a lot going on with him. But I mean, this season, I mean, they Nashville obviously bought Cameron Lancaster, or they signed him uh, a free transfer for Cameron Lancaster in the offseason. They also got Daniel Rios. And I mean, Lancaster has played about 25% of available minutes for Nashville, and he still has five goals. He's converting about 25% of his shots. And Rios is converting 27% of his. So I think we've just seen the difference that a, a, a couple quality finishers um, can make in the team, as well as just a lot of the same guys who played last year just look more comfortable in the system. Um, so I think we're seeing a, a team that was decent last year just turned into a, I'd, I'd say, a top of the table side this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Tampa Bay so been such a good defending team, and then they've got they can back it up with their offense. Um, but Indy Eleven's been on such a tear. Um, I've you know at the beginning of the year, a lot of the people were looking at the rosters of Indy Eleven and Nashville SC and just saying those have, those two have got to be the top. Is that is Indy Eleven kind of who you have your eye on right now? Um, I think before the season, I would have definitely said Indy 11. Um, and I don't, I don't think anybody expected Tampa Bay to turn things around like they did. They kind of went under the radar and a, a lot of signings um, that went under the radar. So I think they're, Tampa Bay is for sure the, the benchmark um, mm-hmm. right now. But I, I don't think Na- Nashville has the pieces to, to be up there with a team like Tampa Bay or Indy. They haven't quite put it together, especially at home. Um, but I, I think there's definitely potential and I mean, there's still a lot of, a lot of the season left to play. Yep. Yeah. Completely agree. Uh, you know, that leads us right into, uh, what, what we all came here for. At least that's why pony shows up. I think he seriously does the entire season of the USL show. So he can just talk about rankings at the beginning, middle and end, but you know, I'm not sure, uh, pony, how do we want to do this today? It looks like maybe we're going to do uh, top four of each conference first. Yeah, we're just going to do top four today of each conference based off what we have multiple methods of ranking here. That's basically going to be the teams that are going to host the, I guess, first round proper of the USL Cup. Once all the playing games have been decided, these would be the four teams that each of us have who will be the ones we think host one, two, three, and four out in East and in West. Well, it looks like we have a lot of agreement, but, but, but first let's just... You know what? Let's just kind of actually, since we do all agree, am I reading this right? We all agree on the top three of the West and the East. Not necessarily the uh, top three. Those are just three teams we have all featured oh, in okay. each of our uh, rankings. Good. Then let's go person by person. Pony, I want to start with you. And, and if you want to talk about why you ranked them that way, I think we should go all the way into it. Let's start with the East. Name off your East, if you will. Okay. My. East teams, the one and two actually switched places over the weekend given results. But right now I have Tampa Bay as the number one team and Indy as the second team very, very close behind them as in if one of them draws for next game, I could easily just swap right back if Tampa Bay can't secure a win. Then it's a pretty, it's a almost a multiple game jump down to New York hanging out in third. And I actually have North Carolina in fourth, which still stuns me since every time I watch them, I just think they're okay, but not great team, but they keep showing up really high in my rankings. And I kind of need to, I think they're, they're the one team I really need to sit down and watch a few games for, because I just don't think they're this good, but they prove me wrong every single week. Hmm. What do you, anything behind that, that you think, why you don't think they're that good? I guess you said you got to watch them to make sure, huh? Yeah. I don't watch them as much as some other teams, but just on paper and even with some of their stats, it looks more like a team who I think is going to be five or six, maybe seven, but it also could be some other teams who I think are good, just aren't performing as well as I think they should be performing. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, Nashville, I think, should be better than North Carolina is at the end of the season. Yeah. To me, I mean, Ben just talked about North Carolina, and St. Louis just faced them and, and drew them. They're just such a tough team, and I think – it is hard to quantify what it is. I think they're just kind of doing the simple things. Well, Ben, what do you think about that? No, I agree. I don't, I, th- I think for the most part, they just, they don't make a lot of sloppy mistakes, especially defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of it too, I have them playing the, the 12th easiest, I mean the 12th hardest schedule, excuse me. Mm-hmm. So far. So I think as this season, as the, uh, strength of schedule kind of kind of evens out towards the back end of the season. I think we could potentially see um, them regress to where they 
where they, we kind of expected them to be. Interesting. You know what? I think I want to, let's just stick with the East and um, put you on hold there, Ben. We're going to come right back to that. Lefty, I think I'd like you to name off your top East. Um, you did give us preface this show saying you aren't as familiar with the East and, and yes. Ben said he's not as familiar with the West. So everyone take this with a grain of salt, but here we go. <laughs> yeah. So uh, obviously Tampa Bay, because they've had a, or is continuing to have a real, really good season. Um, and, uh, that is one of the few teams that if I get a chance, uh, to watch on ESPN plus I'll, I'll catch, uh, as opposed to my second, uh, ND 11 who are also having a very good season, but, uh, um, I can barely watch them when they play at home for obvious reasons that, uh, <laughs> have been mem- memed many, many times. Um, and, uh, I put uh, North Carolina on there, um, I've watched them play a couple times this season, and uh, yeah, you know, I echo the feeling like this. It feels like it's a, a team that's going to lose, but they end up winning. They end up getting those results again in matches that I, I wouldn't expect, and so I put them as my third. And then this last one, um, I, I'll be honest, um, I'm more of the, uh, you know, I'll, I'll put them into a wild card. Uh, I suppose because not only do they have a um, uh, prospect from my uh, local, the college I, I I went to, and he's a local boy from Fresno. But then, you know they have a one of the prospects that uh, uh, Fresno FC should have jumped on, but uh, but but couldn't, didn't. Uh, but uh, you know they also you know, the Riverhounds have the man, the myth, the legend. You know you got your Lily Lily Ball, so. <laughs> Um, I, I have a, an, an affinity uh, to seeing Riverhounds uh, do well. Hey, that's well-founded. They have won their last three and a draw before that. Um, three honest legs. I, I, they responded to me last time I tried, and I'm going to ask them in depth and see if they answer me here. They made a drop on their podcast saying something like he's actually focusing on attack. I don't know if that was like a strong statement, but those guys have access to coach coaches and they might have heard that from him or something that might be something legit i don't know i mean they've scored 10 in their last three so i mean that's ridiculous bobbley doesn't do that so um <laughs> you know it could be a change of, of um it could be a change of tactics a change of how it's, he views soccer i mean this is huge it's lily lily ball i guess this what be 3.0 <laughs> I suppose so in a way, yeah. I mean, he has money, more money with the Riverhounds now, right? We all talked about that being 2.0, and then maybe he's going to decide to start attacking like crazy. So, and, and to be fair to the Riverhounds, with only two defeats on the season, that's those two defeats have come against Tampa Bay and Indy 11, who we all are pretty much in consensus, consensus are the top two teams in the Eastern Conference at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's big. That's big. Uh, ben, let's move on to your Eastern uh, rankings. This is your specialty. You put out power rankings every week, and I really enjoy looking at your line graph that you have going. It's a it's a good one to check out. So follow Ben right on on Twitter as well as Soccer Speed or Speedway Soccer. Um, but you actually type it in Soccer Speedway, if I'm not mistaken. We talked about that before the show. <laughs> um, but yeah, give us your list in the East and, and kind of tell us how you go about your business in that way. Yeah, I mean, so I guess I'll take the latter part first um so basically i just plug in um points per game um goal difference and then strength of schedule um so i think that that especially helps me out in the west where i don't actually get to watch games i so just able to plug in the numbers um in the in the east though i think tampa bay just they have they have one loss all season which i think is just kind of kind of mind-blowing 17 games in um so that one loss uh the fact that they've only lost one is keeping them pretty clearly at the top um, in my rankings. Um, Indy 11 haven't played quite as many games, um, but they're, I think they, we've seen kind of a recent um, upswing from them and kind of they've played some, got ground out some ugly results, but I think we're kind of seeing them to start, start to live up to the potential that we all thought they had at the beginning of the season. Um, I have New York Red Bulls at number three um, and they're kind of, they're kind of, all over the place when it comes to goals scored and goals conceded. I feel like they're, they have the potential to score five any game and they could concede three or four. Um, but for now, I think they're firmly in, in three. And then we talked about North Carolina earlier, but yeah, I think they've just, 
they've had maybe an easier schedule in the first half of the, of the season, but they've definitely taken taken advantage of that. Um, and I think they've kind of they've surprised a lot of teams. I definitely didn't expect them to be this high up the table halfway through the season. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan, are any of those things? I wanted to finish up with you in the East. Are any of those things kind of what you take into account when you're kind of doing your calculations, or how do you do yours? Yeah, with uh, ELO ratings, it determines like the strength of each team. But one caveat being that it's like really heavily focused on just the goal margin a team would produce in each match. So for my Eastern Conference rankings, it's uh, Indy eleven, and then Tampa Bay in second. So they, like Pony had said, those teams go back and forth. I have NCFC in third, and then I've also put uh, Nashville in fourth as just kind of a one contrarian opinion. Hmm. Here, they're currently a fifth in the table in the. East, but one thing that we haven't mentioned tonight on the show, just talking about North Carolina FC, that I think has really benefited them is Dave Sarakin as the manager this season. <laughs> Say what you will about what he was as the national team interim caretaker, whatever you want to call that time, but he's done a solid job with the team this season to steady the ship and just grind out those results that they crucially need to get. Like Ben had mentioned earlier about North Carolina getting that 1-0 result against Nashville. It wasn't those prettiest of games, but they grind out the result that got them the three points. And uh, just to chime in here, they're doing a lot of that without Lomas, who's been mm-hmm. – He's I think I think he's still their top scorer this season, and he's been pro- – I mean, easily their most consistent attacker over the past couple of years. And I, I kind of thought when he went down for the year that we'd see a little bit of a drop-off, but they've – kept that same level going so i yeah they're very impressive next man up well yeah exactly that was a huge surprise to me too because i couldn't figure out i forgot the name of the guy that replaced him but he's usually a winger yeah and i was like man that winger keeps keeps cutting inside and then i was like later they mentioned that he was filling in for lomas and i was like oh yeah lomas isn't out there that's their striker this week um because i think that guy is normally playing on, on the edge so um yeah dude Lomas has been so solid in the beginning of the season and yeah I agree with you Ben that's a really good shout saying that they're they're still hanging on with Lomas out that's a huge deal and and shouldn't be overlooked um but yeah Brian I enjoyed um your thoughts as far as uh your rankings um oh wait let's read off Harry's eastern rankings and Mark Murray from League One Fun his eastern rankings um Harry's are in the east he wants Indy on top TBR next, Tampa Bay Rowdies, North Carolina after that, and then the New York Red Bulls. I asked for five, and he threw Pittsburgh in after that. Um, Marks are – oh, he only gave West, so we'll stick with that. Uh, we're all pretty close, right? Um, Ryan, mm-hmm. you were saying that we all had Phoenix, Fresno – or sorry, Tampa Bay Rowdies, Indy, and North Carolina in our top four in the East, every single person. So I think that's pretty easy to agree on, Yeah. Yeah, and then in the West, we all have uh, Phoenix, Fresno, and Reno in our top four. In the um, uh, yeah, in the West, and we only differ on where to put Portland and Sacramento. Hmm. Mm. Man, that's I mean, but it is so close in the West, and I think that yeah is displayed there where I'm like, oh, any one of those guys could drop out of the top four pretty easily, except maybe not Phoenix, right? Phoenix is. All by themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, until they start to stack up some injuries and, you know, the the, the summer seasons, especially in Phoenix, it's real easy to, um, you know, lose control of your, your, your uh, conditioning. So I imagine that's, that could be a concern, but uh, especially when it seems like it's all about Asante right now. Right now, well, I mean, the last forever, <laughs> dude's been amazing. So yeah, um, I know. I guess he had a rough start, but you know, we've we've been through that. We overdid it on Phoenix having a rough start, didn't we? Because yeah, boy, boy have they taken off like crazy. Well, and it sort of speaks to like how close it is. Like the, the this power rankings for the West, it seems like every week, you know, it's going to be a different dance. You know, because. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, we were, you know, everyone was talking about uh, New, Me- New Mexico United, you know, being in that top four, uh, you know, recently, uh, until recently, until they went on the road. Uh, El Paso was a part of that conversation. Uh, but here we are in week 17. And um, other than Phoenix, uh, you know, we're starting to, you know, definitely being in, we're starting to see a, a different uh, dance card. Mm hmm. 
Yeah, I was saying, looking at Phoenix, they're three games away from breaking the USL win streak record. Right yeah. <laughs> they have dollar beer yeah, nights. Yeah. They have, they have at RGV home to Austin at Tulsa. They win all three and they steal that record from Cincinnati one year after they broke it. Wow. Yeah. Well, that sounds very doable too, doesn't it? Um, it's, it's a coin flip. I mean, each of those three games, maybe like 80% win, but do that three times in a row. It's yeah, going to be difficult. Yep. I mean, like, so just for context in, in the Eastern conference, I have one point between North Carolina and fourth and Tampa Bay and first in the West. I have, over five points between Phoenix and the number two team. <laughs> so, I mean, I think even if we see them kind of regress a little bit, I think they're still, they still have a pretty good cushion. I think we're going to, I would be shocked if they drop out of first at this point. Yeah. I think it's 50, 50 Phoenix wins West, if not even better for them. It'll be right. something happening to the players. You know, but stranger things have happened during the playoffs. <laughs> It's I'm true. The totally soccer gods are, are are a mysterious bunch. No, for sure. I think I think it would be. I I, I do not see them dropping out of a home playoff spot. I'll, no. I'll, I'll leave that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's yeah, and that's kind of what we're talking about now is who can play at home. Just like uh, Pony said when we got into this. Uh, but Ryan, you were mentioning that Phoenix is on pace to be the best team in USL in his, in USL history. Let's do this uh, snake draft style. Why don't you list off your Western top four? So I put down Phoenix uh, just for a little bit more in depth. They have currently an 1196 ELO rating. And just for comparison's sake, my current best team of all time in USL history since 2011 was the 2016 New York Red Bulls 2, who finished the regular season with a 1202 ELO re- rating. Granted, they only played 30 matches then rather than the 34 we know, and finished the entire season with a 1221 ELO rating. So it's very possible that Phoenix is already dominating in my opinion, the greatest team of all time, and they haven't even reached two-thirds of the season being complete. But also, one caveat, again, I say is that that Phoenix has just dominated all the teams that they've placed. I mean, they've had 5-0 results over Tulsa, a 4-2 result over Monarchs. They get all these multi-goal games that just really pile up and benefit them. But to close out the rest of my top four, I have Fresno in second, Reno in third, and uh, Timbers two in fourth. Yeah, I wanted to mention that. I don't know how many people, only a couple have Timbers in there. Are they still overlooked? I did not expect them to stay up so high for so long. It's crazy. Yeah, I think it's only uh, myself and Ben who have uh, Portland in our top four. Wall Pony and Chris have Sacramento, but I'll, of course, let them speak on that, their sections. Yeah, Ben, I mean, read off yours, but tell me a little bit about Portland while you read yours off. Yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm the same as uh, as Ryan. I have Phoenix, Fresno, Reno, and Portland. Um, I think I, I think I, I agree. I think a lot of us overlooked Portland, especially at the beginning of the year. But I mean, they have a they've just been able to get consistent results, especially at home. I know they haven't had as easy as 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 many home games um, as as other teams. But I mean, still they've they have four losses on the season. They've um, only lost twice at home, um, and I they don't have like a they only have a plus seven goal difference, but I think we've seen them consistently be able to pull off um, pull off results even in close games. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, any other thoughts about some of your other teams in the West? One thing I, before you say that, I do want to mention. You mentioned in the East that you have one point in between, and and the cool thing about having Ben on and Pony on and Ryan on is they all have totally different rating systems. And I'm looking at everyone's rating numbers, and so when Ben says one point. His lowest Eastern team is 9.4, and his highest Eastern team is 10.4. Okay, just to kind of give you a perspective of his ranking system. And in the West, he has Portland, too, at 7.5, and that five-point gap is 13.5 to Phoenix, where Phoenix is just taking off. Um, I, also have Phoenix, point. I also have Phoenix with a with the toughest schedule in the West Ooh. so far, which is, I mean, I, that's that strength of schedule for them is definitely kicking up their, their ranking up. But I mean, yeah, I I could talk about Phoenix for a long time. I've, I've been really impressed with them. No kidding, no kidding. Um, let's move on, though. Sorry to cut you off there, but let's let's get through this a little bit faster. Uh, Lefty, what are your top four in the West? This is your specialty, right? Yes, uh, uh, Phoenix. Obviously, they're doing a one heck of a job. Uh, then uh, I my our, my own team, Fresno. I, I play second. 
um, and uh, re- followed up by Reno. And then uh, finally, I put in Sacramento be- just because, you know, Timber's definitely making a big argument for, you know, inclusion. But uh, I sort when I view them, I sort of view them of, as like uh, like a New Mexico United where, you know, good start, but they start to I, I feel like they're going to get a little bit wobbly. Mm. Yeah. And, and speaking of wobbly, I just again. Not to kind of overdo it, and I'm actually going to ask you if I'm overdoing it. Um, with Reno and Fresno, both those teams mm-hmm. have been known to kind of lose to teams that perhaps they oh, shouldn't. Yeah. And so I guess I wanted yeah. to see, am I overdoing it there, or is that something that you do worry no, about? With, we, okay. We're trying to invent a word for the last 10 minutes of a game, that anxiety <laughs> we feel as uh, as Fox's supporters uh, because it, it is a you know a big thing where you know we play the last 80, 80 minutes of the game and that last final ten minutes uh, anything can happen and uh, so yeah it's just we we you know so we lost to um, to Colorado Springs and we drew with uh, Tacoma both of those were results that uh, were not expected but we're also the same team that has has not lost in our franchise history to Phoenix. Mm. And so we're able to, uh, I mean, look at a This is past weekend. We, uh, we beat El Paso, which is arguably has the best defense in, in, in the West. And, and, uh, we figured them out and we, we beat them three, three nil. Uh, now, you know, we are a team well known for our drawing and that could also, you know, that doomed us last season. And that may also, uh, be, be our same um, uh, anchor around our uh, around our legs uh, again this season, but uh, you know I feel that there's something different there. Yeah, right on. Um, let's read off before we finish with Pony. Let's read off Harry's uh, rankings in the West are Phoenix, Fresno. He's got Portland third, El Paso, and then Reno. And Mark Murray has exactly the same thing. Um, Crazy. Uh, putting Portland third. El Paso's in the mix there, though. So that's interesting to see. That's a team that's kind of on the up and up, getting a lot of buzz right now, right? So, um, yeah, something to watch there. I think those are good shouts. Um, Pony, why don't you tell us about your Western uh, Western Conference rankings? I'd say mine are. I, usually, I, may, I have mine kick out how many points I think they're going to have at the end of the year. Mm. West, I have Phoenix in first. Fresno and Reno is basically tied for second, but I give it to Fresno based on tenth of a point. And then fourth place is also a tie between Sacramento, Portland, and El Paso, but Sacramento wins that on tiebreaks again. So mm. it's a really tight West. I yeah. could, I think Fresno, Reno, Sacramento, El Paso, New Mexico, Portland, any of those teams could finish second, and I won't be surprised. And Pony, you say by a certain week you've kind of got it locked down, right? As far as the playoff look, right? Yeah, I think it's usually by late July. I usually get for the last two years I've been doing this. I've been fifteen of sixteen teams who qualify correctly. Mm. I think my biggest spot miss has been like three or four points in seeds. So I like this method, but it's still a little bit early for me to love it. <laughs> right, it's really impacted by the really good and bad teams. That's the problem. Got it. Mm-hmm. Ryan, yeah, I remember. I always love your episode, and I only catch about half or understand like half of what you're talking about sometimes. But when you guys sit down and talk about how you do your yellow rankings, I think it's really cool. I, I enjoy it a lot. So, um, Ryan, has yours been that accurate? I kind of wanted to ask you that. Yeah, uh, what I help with the ELO ratings is I have the database for basically every team who's played in USL since 2011, and then I just kind of bought and it, I then just kind of compare where teams are currently this season to teams who have qualified for the playoffs, hosted playoff games, became champions in previous seasons. And then I that me- use that as a measuring stick to compare where those teams are or fit within that kind of range or that scope to say, it's like, okay, if you've reached this certain rating, then you're more likely to be a playoff team. Or if you've reached this certain rating, everyone above it has been a playoff team. And you are very likely to be one at that point. And so you know, I mainly just use that as more of a ballpark and measuring stick to compare historical data to what we have today. Mm, very interesting. Ben, is this your first year doing this or is it, uh, have you done it before? No, this is my first year doing it. Um, cool. 
we'll see if I keep doing it for USL next year with Nashville moving up to MLS. Oh, I get it. Okay, fine. Yeah. All right, just stop doing USL. That's totally fine. We <laughs> right. don't mind. You know. No, I'm. Yeah. I could keep doing them for you guys. We'll <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to guilt you into it, man. Come on. Um, sweet. Tony, what are we doing Friday? Tell us all about it. Yeah, Friday. I mean, assuming and I, I have the day scheduled off of work, but that could always change at a moment's notice. But if we do, Ryan and I are going to run through and run through all of our rankings from top to bottom, how we formulate it, what the standings are, who we think is going to be a playoff team, not only our top four, but Who's getting that number 10 seed and who's going to miss out by just a little bit? Mm-hmm. And that'll be Friday a lot earlier than we do this. I think we're, we're talking about around noon Eastern time. I think the hairs on the back of Harry's neck just went up. <laughs> <laughs> it's that uh, soccer spidey sense. He's feeling it. He's feeling the goodness coming. That'll be a good nerd show for all you soccer nerds and stat nerds and uh, for me to try to understand. I'm excited to hear that one. Um, yeah, it's going to be fun. So everyone log in Friday. You guys, we're going to set it up live, I think is the plan. So if you want to follow along live, maybe skip out on a little bit of work, take an early lunch, you know, do your thing. Um, that's it guys. That's it for our power rankings. As far as their top four, just to give you a taste of what they're going to do more in depth on Friday. Um, but before we go, uh, we have something really sad to talk about. Um, you guys have probably noticed that uh, Big Kev, Big Kev McCamish has not been here for a while. And um, that dude, you know, between having so many kids and having a job, especially the job, has really kicked into gear. He got a new job and it's taken a lot of time. Um, he's going to drop out of the show. And I'm, I'm starting to put words in his mouth. So what he did is he wrote a letter for us and I'm going to read it here. Um, but this is about Kev, who you guys have heard for. Um, I think over a season now, hopefully on this show, um, is going to be leaving. So here's his letter for uh, everyone listening to the USL show. He says, I'd like to say a few things. First off, this will be my last show, my last anything, really. I need to be finally done with all of it. I need to close this chapter in my life. I've been privileged to have the access I had. Lucky to be able to experience all that I've uh, been able to do for so many years. Um, It began with, quite frankly, a, quote, I wonder, and uh, with support from my wife while on a trip to visit family. Um, He said, I wonder if I can be of help to to a blog I read. Um, That turned into writing for Stumptown Footy, quickly to an editor spot overseeing quite a lot of the content for Timbers 2, Thorns, and providing backup on a lot of Timbers content. Things changed there, and I decided to retire from the writing aspect, quickly followed by getting super busy in my own life. Thus, I had to discontinue my Play the Kids podcast and focus only on the USL show. Um, But now he must leave the USL show again. Um, It goes on. uh, There's a whole lot more, um, but it talks about he has a – he's risen quickly in his new job. He's being very successful. He's now the department head is employees of his own that he must manage and employees he needs to develop. And so he needs to focus on that. So both of my children are growing up, both showing interest in the beautiful game. I'm blessed to be able to play with my own kids and just enjoy soccer as a fan. Again, seeing the game through their eyes is a treasure. Well said there, buddy. Um, in closing, he says, it's a, it's a bit sad to close up this chapter of my life, but there's so much to be thankful for even more to be excited about in the future. I'm grateful for all the support given to me, all the friends I've made, I couldn't imagine being able to remember everyone I need to thank. So just do me a favor, be good to others, love unconditionally. And as Evan likes to put it, don't be a dick. Uh, thank you everyone from the bottom of my heart for all the fish. We love Kev. Um, Kev, if you listen to this man, thanks so much for all you've done. Um, when we were starting the show, I just wanted to say that, you know, we were like, who do we add? Who's going to join us? Who's good? We need to add at least one more person. And I, I think Kev was like the fifth person where I think I was second to last to be asked. And Evan was like, I think I want to add Kevin. Should I ask Kevin or should I look for someone else? I was like, dude, I love Kev. I, I follow Play the Kids podcast and I think he has really great things to say. We'd be really lucky to get him. I didn't even know how well established he was in Stumptown Footy. Um, but, you know, we all think Kev's awesome. 
And obviously he's moving on and making the right choice for his family and for work. And uh, I know for a fact we'll have him back one of these days. So Kev, if you're listening to this, yeah, I tried to talk you out of it today, <laughs> but um, you know, you're welcome back anytime. Um, that's it though for the show. Any other thoughts on, on Kev? Anyone wants to say anything before we go, before we do our outro? Um, I guess kind of looking at that a little bit, I think Portland reminds me of a lot of what Swope Park has been in the West the last few years right now. Oh yeah. Like with the rankings. Yeah. That's just the way they always look like that team who's good, not top of the table or I'm at fourth, fifth seed. And then they get hot. They're going to make a deep playoff run. That's a great, that's a great point. I think you have something there. Yeah. Because no one saw Swope doing as well as they did the last two years, really. They just kind of made a good run. So I'm with you there, pony. Um, let's do outro. If you have a thought, a closing thought, please feel free to say it. Lefty, let's start with you. Tell us where people can find you in your podcast and, and maybe a closing thought. Okay. Uh, well, I, I am very privileged to, uh, work with, uh, two amazing folks, uh, Edward Stewart and Amy, uh, G as a caller, uh, cause I cannot pronounce her last name. Right. Uh, but uh, we do the uh, Fox Start podcast. Uh, it's it, it has been a total pleasure and a joy to do each and every week now. And I want to thank everyone for for uh, for listening. Uh, as for final thought, you know it's been amazing couple of weeks seeing our our uh, U.S. women's team just kick butt up and down the world, so to speak. And uh, you know today's match against. Uh, against England uh, was a nail biter, a surprising nail, nail biter. And we have, the team has been called villains. They have been called un-American, uh, but uh, they uh, have in each and every game shown a resilience that is so soundly American that um, is inspiring every time they, they hit, the, hit the pitch. So uh, uh, I cannot wait for Sunday for the final. And I'm um, going to be cheering on our, our U.S. women's. I think that was well said, Lefty. Eloquent, at, at even. Um, so thank you for saying so. I, I think that was really great. Um, and I do want to say that, you know, I listen to podcasts for different reasons. And, and there's a group of BGN podcasts that I really enjoy listening to because the banter is so good. The rhythm is really good. And the people have fun together. And you three on that podcast, it was a joy to listen to you guys. And uh, we're going to have a lot more of that coming on, exactly that kind of thing. Ben, I like listening to your podcast because uh, you guys do my style of, of nerding out. I really enjoy, I really engage with Nashville and Indy for that kind of reason. So, uh, Ben, closing thoughts and where can people find you? Yeah, you can uh, follow the podcast on Twitter at Soccer Speedway, um, or we, do, we put out a bunch of written content, which you can find at speedwaysoccer.com. And then I'm just at Ben Wright. Um, Closing thought, I'm going to kind of jump on what Chris said. Um, I It's just been a blast watching the U.S. women. Um, it's been the first time I've been able to watch a Women's World Cup with my daughter, mm. which has been which has been awesome. Um, and, yeah, I just – it's been fun watching a U.S. team that's fun to watch for a change. Um, mm. And I just hope the U.S. Soccer Federation uh, realizes the value of that at some point. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, Ryan, how about you? You can find me on Twitter at ILM underscore Ryan. And I guess it's just been incredible to watch the U.S. women's team. I keep getting updates from my dad whenever he listens to the games at work and stuff. And I'm just hoping that we can do well on Sunday and against Sweden or the Netherlands, whoever we face, I know we can win. Mm-hmm. Pony? See, I got that game spoiled me spoiled today i was trying to record it and watch it later and <laughs> interested i was in the break room at work talking with some other friends I'm like a, oh yeah i'm recording the game so i'm trying to see what happens and then someone else says oh yes one nothing in the 10th minute <laughs> like, they just heard me wrong jerks <laughs> <laughs> oh that was that was ugly but you can find me on twitter at usl underscore pony Yep. And again, check out that show. We're going to be uh, streaming live on Friday and we'll probably post it Saturday morning uh, for your listening pleasure. Um, I'm Phil Grooms, two L's, two O's. My final thought is, guys, I know, you know, Ben kind of alluded that people aren't happy with the way the men are playing right now. But gosh, I'm, I'm still glad that Burr Halter's there and I'm rooting for him. I think he's doing it right and trying to do it right. 
but we're not sure yet, right? But I'm rooting for the guy. I, I like how he's been going about his business in a lot of ways, maybe not all the ways, but I'm hoping he's got a long-term plan for the future, like he says, and, and I hope it pans out for him. So that's my final thought. Um, again, this is the USL Show. We're brought to you by the beautiful Game Network. We are sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. It's the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and U.S. Soccer. Get your custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Also, thanks to our sponsor, Golden Goal Press. It's the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items just for yourself or your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price of other places at goldengoldpress.com. I'm rocking my BGM special uh, uh, playing for pride. Uh, I got it in white. You can get it in like 10 col- different colors, but I'm happy with mine. I think Carson, uh, Carson Merck might have copied me. He got white too, but you know, I did throw it out there as a good option. So uh, that's my bad, my bad. Um, thank you again, everyone, for listening. It's the USL show. Thanks to our guests. Thanks to Ryan and Pony. Log in on Friday. We'll talk to you soon. All.